0: Lord God, you have called us to do great things in your name, but we of ourselves have no power to do any of that. So show us today how to receive power from on high that we may indeed declare your praise. For Jesus' sake, amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Let me ask you, have you ever experienced a power outage. You've been at your house and everything's going along fine and all of a sudden, everything, power's down, no power. Maybe it's at night and you have to scramble for the flashlights and the batteries. Maybe it's in the summertime and you're really wondering, boy, how long is that air conditioner going to be off, right? Yeah, it can be a little disconcerting to, to have a, a power outage. On August 14th, 2003, you may recall, our nation experienced its worst ever power outage. It's the second worst, actually, in all of world history. New York City was shut down. That's the next morning, sunrise, August 15th. How weird to see the skyline of New York City and no lights, no power at all. In fact, that power outage in 2003 went as far west as the state of Michigan and then up into Canada and most of the province of Ontario, Canada was without power. 55 million people were without power for a period of time. Thankfully, it didn't last very long. But that is such a strange picture, isn't it? A city with no power. Now just imagine a people with no power. Last week we began a new sermon series entitled Ready, Set, based on the book of Acts. And we're taking one chapter of the book of Acts each week up through chapter 13. And today's theme is Ready, Set, Go with Power from on High. Last week Pastor John introduced the whole series with Ready, Set, Go and he used Acts 1 verse 8 as kind of his theme verse where Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Pastor John encouraged us to to keep in mind that we are to be going out into the world and into our communities as witnesses for Jesus. But how do we do that? We certainly can't do that on our own power. In today's gospel reading that we heard a moment ago in in, uh, Luke 24, Jesus speaks these words just before he's going to ascend into heaven. He says to his disciples, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city. Now, it wasn't the city of New York. It was the city of Jerusalem. Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The disciples knew in themselves there was no way they were going to be able to transform the world of of themselves. But Jesus assures them that if they will just wait for the right time, they're going to receive power from on high. Jesus had risen from the dead and he had showed himself alive for 40 days Then he speaks these last words to his disciples and ascends up into heaven. Ten days later, the promised power that he spoke of came came upon the disciples. It happened during the annual Jewish festival, uh, one of the several festivals that drew pilgrims, Jewish pilgrims from nations around the world to come to the city of Jerusalem for this celebration. It had to do with the intake of the barley harvest. It was kind of like a, a Thanksgiving day in that time. And so there were thousands of people from other countries, Jewish people, who came to Jerusalem for the festival known as Pentecost. The Jewish festival of Pentecost fell on the 50th day after the Sabbath of Passover week. Sabbath or Saturday of Passover week. 50 days after that was Pentecost. Now, by the way, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday in the Christian church here, and this year it's going to be on May 15th. Uh, So we're a little bit out of sync chronologically in terms of our uh, celebration of Pentecost today. We will have a Pentecost Sunday celebration on May 15th, but we happen to be in that chapter if in Acts, where we hear about an experience that happened on that Pentecost and that birth of the Christian church recorded in Acts chapter 2. As we uh, take a look at Acts 2, I'm going to invite you to take out your pew rack Bible or your own Bible if you brought it along with you. Now, we're not going to read the entire chapter, number 2, but we are going to look at selected verses. So I invite you to, to join in with me in reading. Uh, following along as I read, starting on page 1692, page 1692. And we get the story of what happened on that pe- at that Pentecost festival this particular year in history. Acts 2, starting at the first verse. It's Luke writing these words, and he says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Let's pause there for a moment this phenomenal event takes place where the disciples are gathered together undoubtedly in prayer and Jesus from heaven pours out the Holy Spirit upon these disciples. Tongues of fire as it were rested upon their heads. A sound that sounded like the rush of a mighty wind got the attention of the people in town and they rushed to see what was going on and the disciples begin proclaiming the good news about the crucified and risen Savior Jesus in various languages so that all these people from all these different countries who spoke all these different languages were able to hear the message in their own language. What an amazing miracle. A communication miracle, not to mention a spiritual miracle. What happens next is rather interesting. Some of the people in the crowd become kind of skeptical and they they accuse the apostles of being drunk. Then Peter steps up and clarifies what's really going on here. He makes it clear these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. He says what you are seeing and experiencing here is a fulfillment of the words of the prophet Joel from the Old Testament. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon God's people that was promised Uh, back in Old Testament days. And he goes on and delivers a a phenomenal, powerful sermon. A sermon in which he points out who exactly Jesus of Nazareth was. He explains that that Jesus, whom they had recently crucified, was the promised Messiah of Israel. That he came precisely to give his life on a cross as the payment for sins to take the place of all of those animal sacrifices from Old Testament times. He explains that that same Jesus rose back to life on the third day, then later ascended up into heaven, and from heaven has now sent what they see and hear, the evidence of the Holy Spirit upon the people. As Peter wraps up this very powerful sermon, we come to verse 36 of chapter 2. If you want to turn the page... And we get to the end of the sermon, and this is what uh, what Peter says. Therefore, verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. And then look what happens next. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and all who are far off, for for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will, will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. What a phenomenal experience. Peter proclaims the gospel. It cuts people to the heart. They say, what should we do? He says, repent of your sins and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's not only for you, it's for your children too. For those of us who have been baptized, we too received that same outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our baptism. Whether we were adults or whether we were little children, I was 10 days old when God the Holy Spirit was poured out onto me through water and the word in my baptism. And I was drowned, figuratively saying, and raised a brand new creation in Christ. Faith was planted in my heart. I became a Christian in that moment and empowered with the Spirit from that time on. So were you in your baptism. But what I really want to focus on today is what now? On that day, that Pentecost day, 3,000 people were added to their number. Brand new Christians, baptized. But now what? What comes next? We're going to focus on the last part of of chapter 2 to answer that question what comes next? You know, when Jesus was with his disciples, right before he ascended into heaven, he gave them what's usually been known as his Great Commission. He said to them, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and truly I will be with you always to the end of the age. Note that Jesus didn't say, all right, go make disciples baptizing everybody and stop there. He added, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. Why did he do that? Why did he add, teach them everything? He certainly knew that the christian faith in the heart of a believer needed was going to need continual nurturing in order for the christian church to be able to take the gospel to the world as he commanded christian faith needs continual nurturing i like the analogy of charcoal briquettes i don't know if anybody does barbecuing over charcoal briquettes anymore I used to, we have a a gas grill now, but has anybody anybody ever used charcoal briquettes before? Okay, we got a few hands. All right, all right, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, you know, what what was good about charcoal briquettes is you get those things all together and they keep each other hot and glowing and they they can stay hot for quite a while and and, uh, do your barbecuing for some time. But you know, if you take your tongs and you grab one of those hot coals and you set it down on the sidewalk or the patio by itself that coal is going to go cold a whole lot sooner than all those others that are piled up in the grill aren't they it's going to do that it's going to go cold sooner isn't it it's going to stay hot if it were with all the others but it's going to go cold if it's by itself I think that's analogous to the Christian faith Yes, when we were baptized, we received the Holy Spirit. We received the fire of God, if you will. We received the gift of faith, forgiveness of sins, the assurance of life everlasting. But after I'm baptized, if I neglect the things of God, if I no longer am interested in God's word and I no longer worship God, I don't even think about God, I don't pray anymore, I just kind of go off by myself and do my own thing I become like that coal that's going cold. My faith can even die. Christian faith needs continual nurturing. And that's what we see taking place in the early church as we read the last part of Acts chapter 2. So I invite you to go with me to Acts 2 beginning at verse 42. And let's see what the early church was doing in order for them to stay strong in their faith and not go cold. How did they stay fired up for Jesus? Verse 42 and following, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles." were continuing to receive power from on high as they engaged in certain faith-strengthening activities. And when I read this section of Acts chapter 2, I kind of think of this as Church 101. I mean, it really kind of covers the seven foundational, fundamental practices of the Christian church and of the individual Christian for growing in his or her faith. Those seven things we see right here are the Word of God, the sacraments... Worship, fellowship, prayer, care, and witness. Let's go over these. Let's look at these. It says that the disciples devoted themselves, first of all, to the apostles' teaching. Remember, those first apostles had spent three years training with Jesus, learning from him directly about the kingdom of God. And and the the, the rest of the early disciples and followers of Jesus who came later, they were eager to learn what Jesus had taught the apostles. They devoted themselves to learning more and more about what Jesus had taught them. And in addition to that, they, they wanted to understand how now what we call the Old Testament scriptures connect with Jesus. So they came to a deeper understanding of the meaning of the words of the prophets and the Psalms and so on. They were eager to learn the word of God. Friends, we need to be eager and devoted to learning more about God through the study of his word. It means we need to individually spend time each day. We don't have to read a long section. Each day, read a short portion of the scriptures and meditate on the meaning of those scriptures and apply it to your life. We need to take time to get together with other Christians in groups and study together because... As Scripture says, iron sharpens iron. We learn from one another as we study the Word of God together. We need to be diligent about and devoted to studying the Word of God. The second thing that's mentioned there is that they devoted themselves to what's called the breaking of bread. Now, that phrase is used twice in the paragraph. At the beginning, it's used in the context of worship, which clearly is a reference to the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to regularly partaking of the sacrament of Holy Communion. They understood that that Jesus had said to the disciples, this is my body, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins and that it was important to partake of it regularly. I want to encourage all of you to take communion as often as as it is made available, to see this as a wonderful opportunity to grow in your faith and to remain on fire for Jesus it's the most intimate way that Jesus connects with each of us. He gives us his very body and blood present in a miraculous way in that bread and wine and that brings us forgiveness of sins. We need that regularly. They devoted themselves to the word. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the sacrament. They devoted themselves to worship. It tells us that they regularly went to the temple courts for worship, to praise God. That continued to be a habit of the early christians worship too is something we need to be devoted to to bring our our praises and prayers to the lord in worship as well as to receive what he has to bring us in his word and sacraments fourthly it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship fellowship the word used there means Having something in common, and specifically what the Christians had in common was their shared faith in a crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Likewise, we too have that fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And they celebrated that fellowship in a variety of ways, not only as they gathered for worship and gathered for study, but as they gathered in each other's homes and shared meals, as they built relationships with each other and encouraged each other in their walk for Christ. Friends, I see that as an important part of what we are to be as a community of faith here at Shepherd of the Desert, that we need to be gathered together in in various settings, in our homes and other places, that we build relationships with each other and encourage each other in our faith walk. It's part of the reason, why the way, by the way, that we designed the uh, a Care Shepherd Ministry the way we did, according to worship services, so that as you worship together, you get to know each other, you build relationships with each other, and that can lead to additional uh, fellowship opportunities. We need to celebrate the fact that we indeed are members of one family in Christ, and we are brothers and sisters of each other. Number five is they celebrated and devoted themselves to prayer. They were people of prayer. They took prayer seriously, individually and corporately. And friends, we need to be people of prayer too. I want to encourage you to take some time every day just to sit quietly and have quiet time with God. You don't even have to speak out loud, but take some quiet time with God. He speaks to us in his word. He wants to hear from us in prayer. I mean, can you imagine having any kind of a significant relationship with another person and never talk to them? It's ridiculous. God wants us to talk to him. As he talks to us in his word, he wants us to talk to him in prayer, to bring him our praises, to bring him our thanksgiving, to bring bring him our admission of, of fault, but also to bring him our requests. And to know that he hears and cares about every one of our prayers. It also is clear from this reading that those first disciples were devoted to caring for each other. Now in that culture and in that context, it meant that they sold their properties and kind of pooled their resources and, and helped each other that way. It can happen in different ways. But the point is, Christian people are to care for one another. And when there is a need, we respond in a loving way, to care for one another. It doesn't mean we have to live in a commune, but it does mean we need to be aware of each other's needs and be praying for each other and reach out with some meaningful way of help to see that we are indeed connected through our faith in Christ Jesus. And as a result of this comes the seventh thing, and that was witness. You can bet that after all of this uh, being charged up by the word and the sacraments and prayer and and the fellowship and worship and so on, that it was quite natural then for them to go to their neighbors and say, hey, did you hear about that Jesus of Nazareth? Did you know he's the Messiah? By the way, he, he was crucified, but he didn't stay dead. Did you know he was alive, that he's alive right now? You know, they witnessed naturally because it's who they were. We too are to be people who are ready and willing To talk to other people about our faith, to share the loving message of the Savior Jesus with anyone who will listen, to first listen what their needs are and then respond in a loving way and be willing to talk about how God's love can impact their life. We We need to understand that those very first Christians knew that their power source was not anything of this world, their power source was not themselves they understood their power source was Jesus and that they needed to stay connected to him. No doubt the apostles taught the rest of the new believers those words that they had had learned from Jesus himself recorded for us in John 15 when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love that picture. A strong vine on the left, branches reaching out in all directions, and wonderful grapes growing from those branches. But you know, you take all those branches and you cut them off the vine, you wouldn't have any grapes, would you? The analogy is pretty simple. We stay connected to the vine, we produce fruit. We stay connected to Jesus, And he produces fruit in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power from on high. And that fruit looks like a lot of different things. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It also expresses itself in witness as we reach out in love to the people of our own community. I want to close with a true story about a church that had a power outage on a Sunday morning. It's written by the pastor, Pastor Clark Cothern. and this is what he says. He said, One Sunday, after some high-energy, electrically-charged musical worship, we began our time of communion. As people formed two lines making their way up the center aisle, Steve, our worship leader, played an appropriately worshipful song on the electric piano. Halfway through the song, and with half the congregation yet to reach the communion elements, the lights went out. Instant silence. Well, almost. All you could hear were the electric piano keys thumping in rhythm to the song that Steve had been playing. Steve grinned, and he stopped thumping. Someone had to say something, so I said, Isn't it good to know that God's power will be displayed whether or not we have electricity? People chuckled, and realizing we could all still see well enough to continue, they kept coming forward to the table. I began singing a praise song that everyone knew. Within two measures, everyone had joined in, voices only. Harmonies floated in the room from places where we normally didn't hear them. A sense of community enveloped the room. It was a holy moment. What began as a fairly typical time of communion in familiar surroundings was transformed into a unique time of worship and a supercharged awareness of God's presence. When everyone had taken communion and returned to their seats, I prayed, Lord, Thank you that your power is on display, especially when our power is gone. Continue to pour out your power as we look into your word today, amen. And at that very instant, a nanosecond after amen, the electricity came on again. Air conditioner compressors roared, sound system amplifiers hummed, and all the lights came on. For a brief moment... Everyone gasped. Then the entire congregation burst into laughter. I said, oh, now he's just showing off. Yeah, that's what they did. More laughter. Holy laughter, I call it. The kind of laughter when you know you've just seen God's power displayed along with his humor. Friends, God has poured his power into our hearts by his Holy Spirit in our baptism. And he offers that power from on high on a daily basis as we stay connected to Jesus. He's given us a great commission. He's given us an instruction to make disciples of all people. Let's do that. Let's ready, set, go. And let's go with power from on high. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in the-